0: Met Travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool, what do you have to drink? Here, we aim to extend to all who may seek it, disability-centered kink education. In doing so, we're going to be talking about different aspects of BDSM, leather, the the kink community, the relationships and dynamics within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions. Opinions. And they should not be taking this fact or medical advice. We only speak from what we've learned and experienced in our own journeys. And remember, my dear friends, kink is customizable. Consent is the only requirement. Words mean things, but we also give them meaning. Remember, no kink shaming and no judgment. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy.
1: If you would like to stay in the loop and connect with us beyond the podcast, be sure to follow us on our social media.
2: Yes, we love engaging with our community and sharing a bit more about us and our lives and having some delightful conversations.
1: You can also make any suggestions of topics or things you think we should do with our podcast through these links or through our Discord, which is in the Linktree. The Linktree is always in the description below, and you can also find it at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash the kinky tavern
0: yes
2: we also have a patreon it cannot be found by searching patreon you have to go through the link so patreon.com slash the kinky tavern we also have that link in our link tree so you can follow us there
1: we have an instagram the kinky tavern podcast our old one the kinky tavern was shut down so if you were following it and you'd like to stay up to date go ahead and follow our new one the kinky tavern podcast
2: yes and i also run our twitter slash x at the kinky tavern
1: and our Fet Life is also at the Kinky Tavern. I also have a TikTok at Mix Soul. That is at M-X-D-I-Z-Z-Y-S-O-U-L. I also have a Facebook under M Space Dizzy. E-M Space D-I-Z-Z-Y. And my Fet Life is M Dizzy Without the Space.
2: Yes, and you can also follow me on TikTok. Yes, I do have a TikTok. I may be posting there soon. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. But it is pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker. P-U-P underscore M-E-R-L-I-N underscore R-E-K-K-R. I also have a Facebook. That is Marquee Wrecker. M-A-R-Q-U-I-S-R-E-K-K-R. And I also have a FetLife, which is the same as my TikTok. Pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker. The topics within this podcast are explicit. Listeners should be 18 and up only. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hi, I'm Mix Dizzy.
2: And I am Marquis Puffrecker.
1: And today we are talking to you about Medical Play.
2: MedFat.
1: <laughs> we also want to address really quick. If you are a listener of ours, you may notice that there are only two of us here today. Lord Allen has stepped down from their podcast duties and will not be joining us anymore. Because of this, the podcast will be making some changes and restructuring some things. Um, We will be keeping you updated as we go, as we make decisions and have timeframes. If you have any suggestions for changes that you think we should make, things you think we should start doing, guests you think we should have on, or really anything else, the Discord has a channel for that. And our inbox is always open at thekinkytavern at gmail.com. And all of our other contact information can be found in our link tree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Any suggestions are very much appreciated. That can include topics you want us to talk about, guests you want us to have on, just pretty much anything, really. We're open to suggestions.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, medical play. There's a lot of different reasons to be interested in things under the medical play umbrella. Mm -hmm. But first off, to identify what medical play is, medical play is a type of play in kink where medical tools, techniques, settings, or procedures are involved. Yes.
2: It's a very umbrella term that covers quite a bit. Um, Basically, anything that can be used in a medical setting that we use kink-wise is considered medical play. And that could be enemas, needles, cuttings.
1: Oh yeah, we've got a list oh, later. Yeah, there's a whole list <laughs> later.
2: But yeah, it, it includes pretty much everything. It's a very umbrella term.
1: There's also medical role play. And this is under the umbrella, but pretty distinct from medical play in certain ways, just because you're more psychologically putting yourself in the setting of medicine, medical offices, hospitals, etc. So it's a type of role play in kink and BDSM. In which scene partners will take on roles that are often seen within medical settings, such as doctor, nurse, patient. A lot of these scenarios include a power exchange or a power imbalance, which lends itself to that DS aspect.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we technically do medical play, but we don't really include like the the role play aspect of it mm-hmm. in our play. We mainly do needles and cuttings. Things like that, which are under the umbrella of medical play, but we don't really... That role-play aspect isn't really there. Yeah. So.
1: And in fact, uh, medical role-play, medical settings kind of squick me out. I'm chronically ill, and it's not a fun time for me at the doctor's, so I don't typically like to pretend that I'm there.
2: (laughs) I mean, it... I haven't really had like a strong interest in it i'd I'd be curious to like try it out and see how it is because i mean i'm always into role play no matter Mm -hmm. what kind of role play it is but i don't know it'd be different Mm -hmm. i think it'd be kind of fun but i know you have a lot of stuff around it and i don't want to put that on you because you
1: can play with somebody else that way no i know
2: (laughs) but i mean the the We're not going to go into the whole doctors being issues thing because that's already a thing. So
1: So, interest in medical play can span from the fairly common spicing up your sex life with an Amazon nurse costume or even all the way to medical fetishism involving very specific skill preparation, props, etc. So some people just enjoy the simple familiar power structure. There are people who... Uh, There are even people who are chronically ill and disabled who enjoy putting themselves in that position. Uh, There's a vulnerability to being a patient. There's a power to being a doctor or a nurse. Uh, Depending on, we'll talk about some of the different scenarios and variations there are, but depending on the power structure, it can be comfortable to fall back into as like a vulnerable caregiver type situation. Um, Or it can also be, I don't know, there's a thousand different reasons that someone could be interested in that power structure.
2: Yeah, and it could also go both ways as well. Like, you as the patient could be taking advantage of the doctor or the nurse or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And there's a lot of different ways that it can be done and gone about, basically. Definitely. It's just that setting, like there is some kind of authority figure... So there is a power exchange, no matter how you look at it, mm-hmm. and the whole ethics issue makes it kind of taboo and kinky.
1: Yeah, so definitely, uh, some people enjoy the aesthetics of medical props, environments, or costumes. I'm sure that many people across, you know, our listeners know that there are people that really like dressing up as doctors or nurses or. Uh, in scrubs, or even like the academia-type, therapist-type, you know, look Mm -hmm. and power structure play, Uh, that that all kind of falls into that. Some people really enjoy the settings of it. There's lots of dungeons that have medical-themed rooms, medically-themed rooms.
2: That's a very common one. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, they do that because it's mainly reserved for, like, sharps play, but it can also... It's themed around medical because, I mean, medical equipment is easier to clean.
1: It's designed to be disposable. It's designed to lend itself to, um, I don't want to say sterility because we have learned that sterile is not, you know, truly, unless you're in a sterile environment, once something's out of its sterile packaging, it's no longer sterile, but (laughs) that idea of sterility yeah i I mean
2: people when people go into like a medical setting they they think of it as a clean environment a sterile Mm -hmm. environment because it's a medical setting everything is supposed to be that way Mm -hmm. so i mean people design rooms like that so that that type of play can be done there so everything is clean and easily cleanable disposable and taken care of basically
1: yeah and i mean there's just the idea that some types of medical equipment is useful to our play such Mm -hmm. as needle play my needle kink has nothing to do with medicine but medicine has created disposable single use sterilized in package but of course once in environment not as sterile but yeah that they're like the easiest and cleanest to use in a kink environment
2: but yeah you like doing needles because you like to see me real
0: spacey (laughs) (laughs)
1: i like needles for a lot of reasons there's a Mm -hmm. few different uh pieces of medical equipment medical play that i like so we'll have to talk about that here in just a little bit but yeah i mean some people don't like like me like something under the umbrella of medical play such as needle play but don't like the medical environment the medical Mm
2: -hmm. feel yeah because of the association with the bad experiences you've had with doctors, and how being in a doctor's office can be very dehumanizing. And like, they're you're just there to get something from the doctor, basically, and that's all they treat it as. There's no good bedside manner or anything to it. A lot of times, and,
1: uh, we're not even going to talk about why I have problems with doctors. No, I'm not going to go there. No, I'm just but saying it's a very some, common thing. Some people can like the dehumanization in a scene that medical role play, medical power structures give being stripped naked and given a paper gown, which is tied together with little strings and it never quite covers you upright. And sometimes the strings break and you're being poked and prodded and probed and having intrusive and intimate questions lobbed at you left and right with less than empathetic reactions to the answers. Some people enjoy playing with that. Mm Mm-hmm some people are terrified of that and don't want to experience that outside of necessity. And that's fair. Both are valid.
2: Yeah. The whole aspect of being like an object or subject, basically, to be determined or examined is very appealing to some people.
1: Yeah. And typically the power in the scene, the dominant role, is in the person who's playing the medical professional. Because in medical settings... Generally speaking, the medical professional is the one with the power, the knowledge, Mm -hmm. the tools, and the licensure to prove as such. The patient is also often vulnerable, having accrued an injury or an illness, which brings them into the doctor's office to begin with, and at the mercy of the medical professional, having to trust what they are saying is accurate and what's best for them. Giving up that power and trust can feel good to some people. Mm -hmm. Being that vulnerable can feel good for some people. So here are some of those variations we've been teasing throughout the episode. Of course, we have the nurse and doctor. And this can be done in a variety of different ways. Of course, the nurse can be the sexy, seductive nurse that's trying to seduce the doctor and get him in trouble. and <laughs> Or it could be that the doctor is in charge of the nurse and is either mean or trying to seduce her you know um the power structure could lie in either one of them in that one
2: yeah and it could be either way if you have like a nurse and a patient or a doctor and a patient as well the doctor could have the power or the patient could be could have the power and trying to do seduce the doctor into doing what they want
1: mm-hmm.
2: you also have Candy striper. That's an old term.
1: That is an old term. (laughs)
2: It's a very old term. I
1: don't even know if they really exist anymore.
2: I don't think they do. But
1: I think it's a pretty common kink.
2: No, yeah. Um, So do we actually know what a candy striper, like, do you know what a candy striper actually did?
1: Candy stripers were kind of like volunteers that just helped and kind of did the caregiving tasks Mm. that, you know, the nurses, kind of the ones that the nurses could pawn off to them. Ah. Um, most hospitals do not have candy stripers anymore. Candy stripers, this says candy strippers. Candy strippers were just volunteers, and now hospitals just call them volunteers. I feel like the difference is that the the timing in which candy stripers existed, young women specifically, young ladies, teenagers, young adult women, Mm -hmm. were highly disenfranchised and sexualized at the same time, especially in these caregiving type situations. Yeah. And they often volunteered um, out of the goodness of their heart or out of, like, social pressure or social benefit, I guess I should say. And so that young cutesy, like, like the idea of kind of a Girl Scout going to a nursing home and... Mm-hmm. Taking care of, or like, you know, reading with somebody, or you know, helping them cut up their food. It's not like big jobs, it's just the little caregiving tasks. Yeah,
2: it's like basically a pretty face to kind of help things along and just kind of be there for extra support, but they don't really need to be there. hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so with Candy Stripers, you could have. They were under the direct supervision of nurses most of the time. And so that power structure, nurse and candy striper, could be a bitter old nurse that hates the candy stripers taking all the attention and blah, blah, blah. And so they give them the worst jobs and make them, they demean them. Or it could be a candy striper and a patient. The patient, you know, is trying to seduce the young little candy striper into doing something naughty. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a doctor who tries to take advantage of a candy striper or something like that typically because of what we know of a candy striper they're going to be the disenfranchised one however you could flip that everything is oh,
2: yeah.
1: customizable in kink so you could of course flip that yeah that would be fun <laughs> could be a candy stripper instead
2: <laughs> yeah candy strippers
1: we also have things like mad scientist and experiment i thought that was really fun oh yeah or, like, alien and abductee.
2: There you go. Getting
1: poked and prodded and probed.
2: If anybody's looking for alien, abductee, or mad scientist experiment, hey,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll be your experiment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we also have the veterinarian and pets for those pet players out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, like I said, I mean, medical, medical play can be pretty much all-encompassing to any type of play almost it can be under that
1: umbrella Mm -hmm. yeah you can like kind of mix it with other types of play and there is a lot under the medical play umbrella Mm -hmm. so
2: I think the only thing that I can think of that really doesn't fit under like the medical play aspect would be like something like impact that's really the only thing I can think of that doesn't fit there
1: you could still use that
2: I mean, it can be included in it, yes, but, yeah. like, typically, impact is not associated with medical play.
1: I've seen people, like, beat needles out of people.
2: That is true. <laughs> A sadistic doctor who likes to beat needles out of people. Mm-hmm. It's for science. <laughs>
0: Let me do or, my research.
1: <laughs> or even Dr. Candy Striper. The candy striper was caught doing something naughty and has to be punished with corporal punishment. Mm, yes. you know like very true we also mm. have like dentist and patient which i know that you would enjoy a lot and i, I would hate a lot
2: i i don't know why but i have a thing for mouths and teeth so also if you're interested in that hit me up.
1: <laughs> stop using the podcast for your sluttery
2: no that
1: Slut dragon
2: i mean we have a buffet for a reason <laughs>
1: Um, I also thought about therapist and client, mm. and that can be um, really—it's kind of like the, I guess, teacher role play, where it's highly unethical mm-hmm. for you to do anything with your therapist. So the kind of that Freudian element of—it's taboo. It's—and how does
2: that make you feel?
1: <laughs> Slut dragon. <laughs> so, on to the things that fall under the umbrella of medical play. A scene will often involve some type of procedural type action being done, so that could include things like a gynecological or rectal exam. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, this can include things like electrical play. We know that the violet wand originally was, it's a quack device. I mean, it was a medical device made to help with certain ailments. It was a cure-all type thing. hmm But... Electrical play is technically included in medical play.
1: Well, and there's also TENS units.
2: TENS units as well. Which
1: are still used in pain management and chiropractic. Chiropractory? Chiropractors use them. Yes.
2: (laughs) And then we have needle play and cutting or blood play as well, which we have mentioned before. That's something that we do. Um, Things like bandaging, mummification. I mean, medical play, like I said, it pretty much includes... Anything you can want it to, because we can turn anything medical kinky.
1: <laughs> kind of. Yeah. There's also chemical play, and I saw suggestions for this, such as, like, numbing sprays. Mm, yes. Um, specifically, but I feel like chemical play would fall under medical play anyway, because it is a reaction in your body.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. There's also, like, stapling. There's medical staples that a lot of people will use. hmm
2: A lot of people like to use that with needles and cutting as well, kind of clump those together a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm. There's also cupping.
2: Cupping and pumping, yes. um, I like to do fire cupping. Um, It's not really like a medical thing. It's more of a, now it's more of like an alternative practice, but um, it's used basically to help increase blood flow to certain areas, which can be very therapeutic. You um, can
1: even see, like, on a lot of, if you watch at the Olympics, mm-hmm. a lot of swimmers specifically will, because they're the ones that have, you know, not much on, you can see cup marks on their backs, and they just look like little circular bruises, like they were attacked by a octopus.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's also, cupping is kind of included in, like, acupressure and, like, massage as well, so it's kind of along the lines of that, but it can also be used in a medical setting. As, like, a cure to your back aches and things like that. An
1: alternative medical setting.
2: An alternative medical setting, yes. Yes. Um, There's also pumping, so that can include things like lactation and... Breast
1: pumps, yeah. Breast pumps. can also include genital pumps.
2: Genital pumps as well.
1: Those are...
2: (laughs) I don't know much about pumping, really.
1: Well, I feel like there are medical reasons to pump or there have been, pumping began as a medical procedure, I think, in yeah. certain ways.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, pumping for, like, breasts, like, lactation, um, pumping is used to relieve pressure on the breasts when you're breastfeeding. So that can be a very medical thing if you want it to be. It's kind of become not as medical anymore, but I guess it still is kind of like you're you're putting a pump on, on you to help relieve pressure and pain so there is that medical aspect and that goes into people with a breastfeeding kink and lactation fetish and things like that
1: so of course there's the breast pumps which are used in medicine to um i don't know if i'd call it medicine necessarily but they are a option for people who are breastfeeding and want to pump milk so that they can leave the baby for a little while, and someone can feed them milk. And mm-hmm. um, there's also, like you said, pumping to relieve. Sometimes you get, like, infections in your nipples when mm-hmm. you're breastfeeding or lactating. Um, and so you pump to relieve that. Um, there, there are a lot of reasons that you use a breast pump, and some of them are health-related. So I would say, like, that, yeah, that's probably medical. Yeah. There's also penis pumps are used to treat erectile dysfunction. If you have trouble getting an erection, um, it can help, and doctors will sometimes suggest that.
2: Yeah, they do help. I mean, they it's basically like a big suction tube that you put on your penis,
1: mm-hmm. and it
2: just makes it really hard and brings a lot of blood and pressure to that area. So. There's that, and I guess the same could be used for a vaginal pump. Same idea, basically, making the suction to bring all that blood and pressure to that area, and kind of engorging like the clit and things like that.
1: Logically, yes. I could not find anything on that, so everything was about penis pumps because, of course, it was. So I have heard. I have heard of trans men using pumps Mm -hmm. to engorge and enlarge their penis their member whatever they want to call that member of theirs that piece of theirs Mm -hmm. um there are also like we said lots of props and pieces of equipment that are medical that started out as medical things and we use them in kink such as needles Mm. and Wartenberg wheels
2: Neal Sharps, Wartenberg wheels. We also have enemas and douches, sounds and speculums. And pretty much all of these were used. I mean, they were medical use at some points.
1: Yeah, and, and a lot of them and still, still are.
2: are. Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, not everything still is. I don't believe the Wartenberg wheels are still used in medicine. Yeah, I don't think sounds unless, are... like alternative.
2: Sounds are not used very much either. I don't think.
1: I don't think so. I think they have other ways to do the things that sounds once did that yeah. are less invasive. Mm-hmm. But there's also PPE such as gloves, masks, scrubs, stuff like that, and then like things to give you like the idea of the medical settings, such as blood pressure cuffs or medical restraints. You can use a thermometer in your examination and. Other examination equipment, such as lights, magnifiers, those little things they used to look in your nose and ears. Mm-hmm.
2: And, I mean, this can go even further into, like, setting up a whole room and getting, like, a not well, like a hospital bed or some kind of medical table mm-hmm. or even, like, the little rolly trays that they have with all – they lay out all their, like, tools and equipment on.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: it, you can go have as much props as you want to – Increase the immersiveness of that type of play.
1: Definitely. As with most kinks, there are risks involved. Depending on what you are doing within your medical play scenes, the risks will differ. And there's no way to completely remove risk in many kinky activities. We are at risk sitting right here in our podcast room. Everyone is at risk everywhere they are at any time. But you can work to mitigate the risks that are involved.
2: Yes, we always try and do that as best we can. Especially if you're doing any kind of sharps play or any play really at all. I mean, any type of play we do has a risk of making things not
1: okay. (laughs) True. So first off, we have infection as a risk. It's a risk that is posed any time that the skin is broken. You can mitigate the risk of infection by making sure that you use equipment that is disinfected, has been in a sterilized package um, and you learn optimal wound care, first aid, and disinfection of surfaces.
2: So scarring is also a risk that comes with breaking the skin or creating wounds. You can minimize the risk of scarring and by learning proper wound care, which can help heal them more neatly. I mean, any, like I said, anytime you break the skin, there's a potential for it to scar really bad. It also depends on the person and how they heal, and what type of scar, like, what type of play you're doing, basically.
1: Yeah, and there's also the risk, like, our good friend Devin Stone says when he's teaching about uh, anything that involves risk, if the lights go out when I have a knife against you, and I cut you, and I don't know how deep I cut you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a possibility to happen in a scene. So there is risk, and you just have to talk about it, and what you're going to do when that happens, if and when that happens, and how to mitigate the risk. But there are some risks that we just can't... If you're going into a scene in which someone is going to be holding a real blade to your skin, know that there is a risk of someone slipping or of the lights going out.
2: Yep. So, there is also possibility of transmitting viral infections by bodily fluids. So this can be blood, urine, semen, spit, feces, any other bodily secretions that can cause infection if they're not handled appropriately. Knowing your partner's medical history and their status can help in mitigating any risk or potential risk to you unless you've agreed to, like, fluid bonding with them and know the risks that are possible. But you should still use, like, PPE to prevent any, like, Cross-contamination or infection like that.
1: Yeah. Accidents can happen. As we said, when you're playing with sharp and shinies, there's always the risk that an accidental wound might happen to the bottom or to the top. Be sure that you are prepared with a plan, for if and when this happens, this can be talked about in negotiation. Keep sharp things sheathed until use. Be sure that the lighting is good enough so you can see where your sharp things are going. Dispose of disposable sharps immediately after use in a proper disposal bin. Those are just a few of the things you can do to avoid accidents. Yeah. There are always things that in each kink, in each type of equipment that you're using, you know, you just learn what types of risk mitigation you can do.
2: Yeah. And it's it's easy to get like a disposable sharps container. I think you can actually go to a pharmacy and ask for one and they will either give you one or like give you one for a pretty cheap price and that's you take it back to the pharmacy when it's full to dispose of
1: Mm -hmm. you can also get one on amazon i think ours was like seven bucks
2: yeah they're pretty cheap and it's
1: it's small for like you know you don't see them that small in a medical setting but it holds a lot
2: (laughs) it's for like personal use and like if you're doing needles unless you're doing like thousands upon thousands of needles it's it's a pretty good pretty good deal basically i mean
1: if you're doing needles Seven bucks for a sharps container. <laughs> that should be part oh, of yeah. your scene. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Just give a new one each time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, and just sorry, this is a tangent, but to clarify, we are extremely poor. There has been some discourse lately that I've seen on shaming versus safety. So we would not shame anyone for doing something that is within their budget, but. If you're going to skip out on cost and safety, that's not appropriate. That's not. No, yeah. That's not it. So, we absolutely understand that, you know, sometimes your. Our first cane was a dowel rod wrapped in thread at the bottom and like, not thread, but like rope or something, like paracord. Oh, yeah. Like, we have toys that we still like to use that. You know, they, they may not be the most expensive, they may not be the best toys, but we make sure that they're safe. Arcane cane was finished. There is a finish on it. You have to have a finish on something wooden if you're going to play with more than one person or play more than one time. You cannot disinfect raw wood. Yeah. You cannot disinfect raw wood.
2: That's too porous. Yeah. Unless it is sealed or coated with, like, acrylic or something like that that's easily, like, sanitizable
1: mm-hmm. or
2: something like that, you can't use raw wood like that.
1: Well, and um, our friend Hope Lithy just recently posted on TikTok about these um, dance prop canes that when the dance school is done with them, she took them and she just... They were painted with black acrylic. They're just dowel rods painted with black acrylic and a layer of clear nail polish every few months Hmm. to keep it shiny and keep it finished. And huh,
2: I wouldn't even think of nail polish.
1: Yeah. Check out Hope Lithy. And that's like a dollar at Dollar Tree or $1.25 now.
2: Yeah.
1: um, At Dollar Tree for safety. (laughs) So.
2: Yeah. And I mean, dowel rods aren't too expensive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have seen someone go to a hardware store and get Got dozens of dowel rods and just have a scene where they broke dowel rods over this bottom's ass over and 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 And there was a scene to see how many dowel rods the bottom could break. And those were given to the bottom as like a trophy, as like a present, a reward.
2: No, yeah. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, those are going to be single use. They're broken. Can't really do much with them anymore. Exactly. They're probably going to be tossed away.
1: But you still have to be careful because you have to know the risk that that could splinter and uh-huh. lodge in your ass. Yeah. So just make sure you're knowing the risks. And if you are playing with wood, it should be finished or not reused.
2: I mean, you can do that, but it's that would be for single use only, basically. Yeah. Or to only be used on one specific person and preferably single use because if you get any kind of bodily fluids or blood or anything on that you can't clean it
1: mm-hmm. okay okay moving on
2: tangent over next tangent no so another thing to be keep in mind with is if you are playing with electricity it is very important to be trained in how to do so while mitigating the risk and creating a safer scene as well as being familiar with the equipment you're using And the questions that you need to ask when you're negotiating with your bottom or whoever you're playing with. Definitely. Electricity should never go close to someone's heart. And those with certain conditions may be affected by electricity in a different or even dangerous way. I.e. people with heart conditions or pacemakers or nerve conditions or anything like that. I know M can't do electrical play because of their nerve pain. Mm-hmm. It causes them to flare up, and it's worse, and just hurts them, mm-hmm. and not in a good way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas me, I love electrical play. I think it's fun. I really enjoy it. Um, I've only had to, gotten to experience it a couple times, but the tensing of the muscles and everything is just too much for M to be able to deal with.
1: Yeah, well, and it the electricity is traveling through your nerves and I have no, a nerve yeah. condition so yeah that probably doesn't help
2: yeah I mean I if I do like there was a demo night at a dungeon we went to and they had electrical there and I was fucking around with it like all night and like I remember the next day my muscles were so sore just mm-hmm. from like I had it up really high and was messing with it which I enjoyed but like the next day even my muscles were just so sore right so Be aware of the risks doing electrical play.
1: Yeah, and be aware of the risks of everything that you're doing. When you are negotiating medical play, make sure that you are familiar with the activities that you want to do and the equipment and tools you want to use. You're familiar with the risks that are involved in those activities and using those tools or equipment. Um, You should also talk about things like what appeals to you about medical play. Is it certain activities is it certain props? Is it the power play? And what level of sensation and or pain are you wanting to experience? Of course, negotiating would be a whole other episode in itself, but those are just a few tips. Can you think of anything else?
2: If you're interested in medical play, it would probably be best to bring up any, if you have any trauma around medical play.
1: Mm, around or, medical settings, yeah.
2: Or around medical settings, just because like if you're playing with that, It can cause a trigger to make the scene not go well um, Mm -hmm. or cause a reaction that you don't want. Um,
1: And there's always that threat anyway, no matter what kind of scene you're doing, that a trigger you don't even remember comes up. But medical settings are a common trauma setting. Yes.
2: Always be sure you're knowing how to use the equipment, that you're using the props that you're using in a way that mitigates risks, no... What that object or prop can do, the best way to handle it, the best way to dispose of it, anything like that. And if you're using any kind of medical equipment specifically, know how to use it. Don't just go buy it and be like, oh, well, I guess I'll figure this out. No. Right. It's best to know how to use it. And if that means seeking out someone who knows how to use it and learning from them, I would highly suggest that. Or even just doing your research, I know it's not the same as like learning from someone, but even having that knowledge of your own, doing your own research, at least the concept of how it works,
1: yeah. is if better you have, than nothing. If you have an interest in any activity within kink, even outside of medical play, you should be looking that up, researching it, finding out what the risks are, talking to people about it, finding out what you can about this kink so that you can mitigate risk. You can, you know, ask the right questions if there are certain medical conditions that might be affected by it. I would encourage tops to encourage their bottoms to do that. For example, if I'm asked for a needle scene, I encourage people to research it and talk to me about what they found before, you know, if if I know that they're new to needles Mm -hmm. um, before doing so. Because if I don't know every single medical condition that could be affected by that. So... I'm going to send you to go find out if there's anything that you have concerns about, any conditions that might be affected by it that you have, because I don't know your entire medical history, and I don't know every single way that a medical condition could be affected by it. So it is important for everyone to be informed when they go into play like that.
2: Yeah, any kind of play. Really, yeah. Um, like if I were to find someone who was into dental play, for example... I would do my research on how, like, like the best way to go about that, learning about the different tools used and everything, and I would also advise the bottom or whoever to do their research as well, also to bring to me, like, why it interests them and what they're wanting to get out of it so I can kind of tailor my research to what they're looking for and what I should be focusing on, basically, so we can both get what we want out of experience that we're trying to have Mm -hmm. so it's always good to do your research no matter what you're doing
1: agreed all right i think that is all we've got for medical play i know that that was kind of the basics it is a very large umbrella with a lot of different types of play whether that be the role play or just the sharpened chinese so it is a pretty broad subject again if you have any suggestions for topics Please let us know. We have a Discord that has a channel specifically for that. That's all in our link tree. You can also email us or message us on pretty much any app. We will get it. And now, Daddy, would you please lead us out with a daddy joke?
2: I always do the daddy joke.
1: I know. You do them good.
2: Uh-huh. So good. So, why can't you trust Duck Doctors?
1: duck doctors huh i don't know why
2: they're all quacks
1: that was a daddy joke yep
2: i'll be sure to put it on your bill
1: (laughs) (laughs) fire